Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a Q&A. Yeah, we got a lot of different questions coming from a lot of different places, so. We do a lot of Q&As. Like, yeah. two a week. I mean, <laughs> just in life. Yeah. Like, I just think about, like, damn, like, I do a Q&A on my story twice a week. I'm technically doing Q&A in the DMs. Yesterday, I posted and said, like. Isn't that called answering questions? Yeah. But, like, I, I posted a box yesterday and said, like. Yeah. What are you training for? And then I was like, how can I help you? I'll personally DM you back. And a ton of people. So I'm going to be like, tonight, spending time. Get on that t- treadmill, dude. The, well, that and thank God the computer, you can DM people back. Oh. It makes it way easier now. Yeah. So I can spend time on my computer. But that is good. I am doing extra cardio right now, so yeah. it makes it easy. So I'm, I'll be done answering questions after the fat loss phase is over. Um, I'm just playing. I'll still answer your questions. <laughs> um, but then the podcast twice a week, it's just like, and the crazy, th- I thought about this, uh, I thought about this during my haircut today because uh, he asked me if I saw the uh, the pandemic South Park episode. I still haven't seen it, but uh, I've heard it's really funny. And I thought in my mind, I'm like, how, do, like, how are they still doing South Park? I remember watching it when I was a little kid. It's got to be around for 20 years now. Oh, yeah, easily. So, but then I thought, I was like, man, how do they think of shit to keep doing? And then I thought about it. I was like, actually, they're really smart because it's always about not always, but often it's about like something in real life. Yeah. It's like relevant times. Yeah. And so I thought about that with the Q and A. It's like, man, how do you keep creating content? And it's like, actually, I guess like there's so many things that change and there's so many different ways you can ask a question that it's just never going to stop. Yeah. Um, I was listening to something to this morning and they were talking about how, how fast the evidence-based community grew. And it was interesting because I never thought about it like this, but the training and nutrition space kind of went from being like, I mean, when I first started, I was buying magazines, literally yeah. like flex magazines and shit like that. And bodybuilding, it, yeah. And it went from that to like social media being present. And then it was like, things started kind of picking up and it really wasn't until, I mean, shit, not that long ago. I think before social media was internet. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like before, like during this social media area era of it is really when, uh, evidence-based or like science-based training nutrition got popular. Okay. Yep. Cause I think about like, when did I start like being really interested of like the latest research that's coming out? You know, like I told you the other day, I think like we were laying in bed trying to like not watch TV and Shannon's like, Oh, what are you reading? And I was like uh, a research paper on uh, fat loss supplementation with two participants. And I like broke down and she was just like, that's what you read. I'm like, well, if you want someone to put you to sleep, yeah. I mean, number one is a really good article, but I, I'm tired by the end of it. Yeah. But, like, when did I get to a point where I wanted to read that shit, you know, and where that really, like, that dictated what what do I do with a client? Because beforehand it was like, okay, here's my client scenario. Here's what I've seen in the past. Let me see what other people in the industry have done because that's all we know, right? Yeah. And then evidence-based, uh, the community started growing. Research started coming out. But it takes so long for research to come out. So, point being, what I got from this podcast, they were saying, like, there's going to be a, kind of like a drought, and we're already kind of getting into it. There's, like, a drought of of evidence or research because, you know, uh, it was a conversation between four people and the person that brought up was Jackson, who we just had on the podcast. And he was talking about his diet break research study, which we had him on for. And it took three years for that study. So three years from study design, getting accepted, gathering the participants, running through the study, collecting data, sending off the data, accepting for publication. Like it's a long process, right? I mean, this is like basically his whole college fucking 
master's program or whatever, essentially. Um, but that takes so long. And in within that, a three-year period, I would say within the last five years, so much research has dropped that people have just been gobbling it up because there's so many research reviews and forums, all these places where you can get it. And now we're at a place where like, well, there's no more new research because it's being done. So new research doesn't come out as often as it seems like it used to because there was so much for us to take in. And so we're in this like weird place of like, there's almost like a drought of research. Um, not sure where I was going with this, to be honest with you. Um, oh, like information. So it makes like almost creating content harder was their whole thing. It's like, it's true because there's not new shit to talk about, but if you're coaching in the space, which they are too, but like if you're coaching in the space, and you're in the trenches, there's so many new situations to apply those things. And now I think people are being more confident about critiquing research studies and seeing that not everything is perfect. Yeah. Um, there was uh, so I heard somebody else arguing about uh, fasted cardio research, which is something nobody argues about. Fast cardio is not better than fed cardio. I mean, it's been proven a million times. But when he started talking about the intricacies of how study design happens and how the participants weren't like, for example, six weeks out from a bodybuilding show. So like there's a difference between an obese individual doing or even just an everyday person doing fast cardio versus fed cardio. No difference. But what about like a really lean person trying to get to like really, really, really lean? Like <laughs> It's a completely different ball game. We don't yeah. know. So there's like a, there's so many variables that aren't shown in studies, but it was just interesting because it's like, man, I think you almost have to like be confident enough about coaching to speak out about experience over scientific research in order for your, uh, your, an ability to keep creating content, which is it's helpful absolutely. for people like us yeah, because we've been doing it long enough to where we can talk about shit like that. Um, it's just interesting. Uh, where the space is headed and we were just kind of talking about with the whole social media thing and going to that event uh, uh, next level coaching academy um, it was it was cool and interesting just to kind of see because we're kind of in our own bubble I mean let's be real like I mean my my best friend in the industry is probably Brad outside of like the team of like the person I talk to the most in the industry outside of us is him mm-hmm we don't really talk about business. So I don't really know what he does, what his traffic's like or what his, I don't know anything about it, which is cool. I don't really care. I'd rather just be friends, but it was interesting to be in a room like that and hear people talking about it constantly and seeing that everybody's experiencing the same lull in engagement and in, in questioning the algorithms and getting frustrated and stuff. It was also why many people got the most value out of my talk. Cause I was like, Hey, like SEO is like a different path for that. Um, which I might actually be creating something for them now, like a whole module, mm. uh, not module, like multiple modules and like a thing they want me to do, which is actually pretty cool um, on SEO. But it's just, it, it's just crazy where everything's headed. I think we're going to see like this huge, I almost hope we get Shift. to, yeah. And I almost hope we get to a place where like, I remember when, uh, like you said, but after magazines was internet and it was like forums and articles and like, um, Essentially, like, I remember going on blogs and huge websites that would have these long forums after an article, and it would be, like, some people would read the article, ask questions, and then discussions would talk. And people would be, like, helping people with their training and nutrition needs, like, in the comment section of a fucking blog. It's yeah. weird. But, like, I almost hope we get back to some of that kind of stuff, because it's, like, you there's... love that. I would love it, dude. Yeah. And there's so much info in there, you know? Um, and that's obviously why I love podcasts, because we can give a lot of value in a longer period of time compared to a reel. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things going on, so um, rant over. I don't know where I'm going with it, but 
It's fine. I'm excited. I, I was. I think I was. The point is, like, I think I was frustrated about a lot of it, and now I'm starting to change my perspective, which I think is important in life to like see a different perspective. I'm getting kind of excited about it because mm-hmm. it's like maybe this shift is for the better. Maybe, like, I mean, who who knows what's going to come out of it? You know. Yeah. So, same. I love it, man. Well, let's put that long form content to use here, yeah. and we will start with the first question. Is coming from. Jay Nicky, it says, what should I do to start the process of getting back into nutrition and exercise before getting a coach after a long time away from it all? I'm experienced, but fell off and finally ready to get back into it. Okay. So I would just think of this like, uh, like what goes through my mind is like, okay, let's say, let's say I did everything the same way I do right now, except I didn't do this for a living. Cause mm-hmm. if I, if I fell off and I stopped training for a year, but I did this for a living, I'd be a pretty big fucking hypocrite hypocrite but let's say let's say I didn't do this for a profession but I did fall off for a year what would I do to get back into things before hiring a coach exactly um pretty simple honestly I think that a lot of people I I look at this very similar to when people get sick or have an injury and they are like how do I get back into all this stuff and it's you just ease into it like I think injury is a little bit different because you have like obviously you have to work around if you tear your meniscus or you break your ankle, like there's obviously workarounds, but in general, somebody gets sick or some like I had the, you know, during the pandemic, there was a lot of that. Like, what do I do after I come back to the gym after having COVID? You know, I've been out of the gym for two to three weeks because of COVID. What do I do? You just start back up and yeah. you just take it slow. So you were training six days a week. Cool. Train four. You were doing 20 sets per muscle group per week. Cool. Do 10, do half of that. Like, yep. you know, and if you crush that first week, cause 10 is barely anything. Cool. Bump it up to 12, then 14, then 16, then 18 until you get to 20. It's going to take you weeks and you're going to accumulate. And then before you know, you're back to normal. Um, the thing I would say is if I was in this position, I'm assuming she didn't tell us how long, but I'm assuming it's a, a longer period of time than a couple weeks. Obviously, if you fell off and you've been out of the game for a while, um, let's just say it was a year. Yep. Um, I would probably say that in a way it's kind of exciting. I would be like, look at this. Like you're, you get a, another shot at being a newbie, you know, like newbie gains are a thing. We know that anything works, but we all know after our newbie phase that if we could go back and do things better as a newbie, we would because our newbie gains would be that much better, right? Yeah. We'd do it smarter. We'd injure ourselves less. We'd waste less time and we'd waste less money on stupid supplements that don't actually do shit for you. Um, so I would, uh, I would kind of create like a, uh, I think there's uh, like a, a sliding scale, so to speak, of uh, optimal and adherable, right? And so on op- the optimal side, it's like, okay, well, like if you're jumping back into it, I would supplement with fish oil, creatine, some kind of sleep supplement, like greens, right? Like thinking everything that can protect your immune system and recover your nervous system as well as your, your muscular system really well. And I say greens and stuff like that because greens, reds, multivitamins, those kind of things do protect your immune system a lot, obviously. And I'm not just saying so you don't get sick, but also because any type of stress placed on the body does poke at your immune system. So training is a great stressor to, to your immune system. So if you want to avoid getting sick, and you want to be able to recover faster from training so that your body's not trying to also recover its immune system and other stressors in the body because of training, because training stresses everything, 
then protect your immune system by taking vitamin D, fish oil, uh, multivitamin greens, reds, things like that. I would be taking some kind of magnesium supplement, ideally, because one, it can help you sleep at night, but two, it's going to help with neurological and muscular uh, fatigue and recovery. I would be having like obviously protein uh, shakes after workouts, uh, creatine around your workout, like all the little things that you do with supplements that actually work. Get those unlocked, get a stack of supplements, and just keep it in rotation. I would uh, uh, set your protein at, uh, I would set your calories at maintenance and your protein at just above one gram per pound if you don't have much weight to lose, but you want to recomp. A lot of times when people come back to the gym, they want to recomp, which means like, hey, like, I still weigh around the same, right? Like I weigh within like five to 10 pounds of what I did weigh when I was at my best, but I've obviously lost a lot of muscle. So when we go into this again, we're like, hey, we're not really trying to chase like a huge weight loss. We really just want to see fat loss and muscle growth. So there's reason to say like, hey, anywhere between one to 1.2 grams per pound. So a little bit above the, the quote unquote recommended dose. And then having a higher percentage of your calories coming from carbs than fat, just because if we're trying to like quote unquote lean gain while at maintenance or recomp, I do believe that a higher carb, lower fat diet works best. So we just put your fats in a place where you're going to be hormonally sound, but then you have way more room to play with carbs that are going to affect stress response, muscle growth, performance recovery, so on and so forth. Um, And then your training schedule, I would personally probably go with like a four-day split. I think if you've been out of the game for a while, there's no reason to go crazy amounts, but I also don't think you're, you're not a full newbie because if you know, she said she had a lot of experience and we kind of cut the question down, but it sounded like she's done, she's been training for a long time. So before the big layoff, if you go into it with the like pure newbie, like three day full body, big compound lift, I think that's great, but I don't think it's going to do uh, as much as like a upper lower split would do where you're doing like a power building approach, hit the compound lifts, do accessory and isolation exercise, like a bodybuilder to focus on the muscle groups you want. It's a good amount of volume and it's a good base split that you can recover from. And it's not too much. And then you still have three days a week where you're not strength training, where you could put like one to two cardio days where you're just doing low intensity stuff to keep yourself lean, keep yourself aerobically fit, but also improving recovery mm-hmm. um, instead of doing conditioning or high intensity model where you're just going to push recovery further and just beat your body into the ground. Um, so now looking at all that, that's optimal, right? This is on this sliding scale. That's optimal. We, we got supplements, sleep habits. Uh, you're eating four to five meals a day, high protein, high carb, strength training, like everything's dialed in. On the other side, we have adherable and that's yeah. personal. You know, there's some people who come back after labor, they're highly motivated. They're excited to get back into it. And everything I just said is totally doable. You know, there's other people that are like, slow the fuck down. Like that is way too much for me to jump right back into. So for that person, I'd say, hey, get, eat, it, eat your body weight and protein and train four days a week. That's it. And then the next step would be out of everything I just listed, what is the easiest thing for you to conquer? It's like, okay, I'm going to add a, a water jug every day. Cool. I'm going to add 10K steps next. Cool. Like whatever is the easiest thing. If buying the supplements or just taking those every day is the easiest thing, then just add that in. Because mm-hmm. there's not one of those things that's like most important. I would say training is probably the most important thing out of those, but adherable is completely individualized. You know what I mean? Like for certain people, certain things are, and I I wrote, I talked about this in the newsletter I wrote this morning that'll go out. uh, It's already gone out by the time you guys listen to this podcast, but um, I talked about like meal plans, how some people see meal plans as restrictive, um, boring, and uh, uh, I can't remember the other word I use, but essentially that's typically the 
the stereotype on yeah. right. If you're on a meal plan, it's pretty restrictive. You can't really do much. Really boring. So you're eating the same thing every day. If I look at it as it gives me structure. control. Yeah, it's, that's exactly what I said. It's not restrictive. It's structure. Because now I'm like, I don't have to guess. I have a structure. I look at it as accuracy because I can repeat it every single day. And repeatability is actually sustainability for me. You know, people look at it as unsustainable because they're bored with it. But I mean, shit, if I don't got to think about how to fit my macros and shit, like. That's just different people, different. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's what I mean by the whole <laughs> adherable, yeah. the scale of adherable to optimal. Everything on the list of optimal is over here. And then where adherable is to you is completely different. So um, even before I started the cut, I was already pretty much following a, a meal plan. I just was less precise with my measurements. I still ate the same thing every day because it makes my life easier. And then when the weekend hits, I don't eat the same thing every day because my schedule is different mm-hmm. on the weekends. Yeah. You know, during the week, my schedule does not change. Um, and it's and it's just, yeah, it's easy to do. So, yeah. um, But that's kind of how I would approach it. Like I think a, a base plan of just getting all your health, nutrition supplements in order – approaching it from like a, a maintenance uh approach and then once you do that for you know two things one you could do that for for some people it's probably gonna be like six months and you were make a lot of great progress and then after that maybe you're like okay i'm ready to like step it up take it to the next level tweak my macros stuff like that i want to push for more fat loss push for more muscle growth get serious about a specific goal now that i've gone through this like uh we'll call it like the rebirth like you're getting mm-hmm. back into it and you're recomping stuff at that point, hire a coach because they're going to allow, uh, like, we're going to be able to tweak it and adjust it and take you to the next level. And then in other sense, if you get three weeks in and you're like, I just can't adhere, like, I need accountability, then you don't wait to hire a coach. Just hire a fucking coach right out the gate, you know, because everybody's different. And I think the most undervalued aspect and benefit of coaching is the sense of accountability. You're paying money and you have somebody in your corner every single week checking in on you, yep. you know, and when that check-in doesn't come in, they're popping in your inbox and they're like, hey, dude. Knock, knock, knock. Like, where are you at? Check in with me. That is a sense of accountability that is going to push you to be more successful and take more action. So if you're somebody who needs that, then do it. Yep. I need it in my life in, in one area or another. And usually the fitness and nutrition side, I only I, I usually hire out when I'm like, okay, I'm going to get really serious. But I always have some kind of coach in my life. Multiple. Yeah. But yeah. Not always. Accountability Training. in general is, is yep. huge. Um, and then I think too, like this is why – on the tip of accountability, like sharing your goals with people who you're not paying is important too. It's why like you and I talk about what we're doing, what we're after, future plans for life, family, business, coach, everything, right? Because once you put it in the air and somebody knows that you're going to do it, like a few weeks go by and then you pop in, you're like, hey, how'd this go? Like, hey, have you done this yet? Like, wh- where's this at? And you're like, oh shit, like they remember, <laughs> you know? So totally. it's like people around you. I noticed, no, I noticed, I know that you hire out more nutrition than you do training mm-hmm. it's just because like you i know it's result depending but yeah um a few reasons for me personally number one i think that just dialing it in yeah like for me accountability wise i need it more in that area than the other there's some people who maybe like maybe like somebody who is a nutritionist who doesn't really know much about training they're so dialed in on nutrition they love it so much that they don't need any accountability there and i was there at one point in my career but now it's like you know what if there's any area that i need somebody like keeping an eye on me and adjusting to make sure that one i don't make an adjustment off of emotion but off of logic and two i actually stick to it every single day it's nutrition. Totally. Training, like you don't got to tell me twice. I'm yeah. going to train. I'm going to train hard. Like, yeah. I love that. Um, the other reason is because I'm, I like testing things before it goes in the app. Yep. So like I think, and that's, it's kind of hard sometimes. And the hard part about that too is like, you know, and I'm getting ready to put the uh, program I've been on 
um, which I don't know what I'm going to call it. I was going to call it evidence-based bro split, um, but I might call it evidence-based bodybuilding because for the girls, bro. Yeah. I, there's going to be a female version, so I like how do you spell broette or whatever it would <laughs> yeah. be, you know, uh, she bro or I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, bad names. Um, I'm going to call it something else, but uh, the problem with it is, is like I used to like be like, okay, well, I can put more programs in there it would hinder my results because then I would be program hopping more often because I would create a program, have some methods, go through it a little bit quicker or not spend as much time. Like I didn't do it for the full 12 weeks that the program is actually designed for. I would do it long enough to know like this is sound, this is dope, I'm recovering well, I'm progressing and then I would move on to the next thing, test it, which was great for getting enough programs in the app. But now that we have a good amount of programs, like this one's taken longer because I'm like, I'm, I'm actually going to run the whole fucking program before I put it in there. So by the time it gets in there, it will be almost literally 12 weeks of me doing this split so I can truly talk on it. Um, and especially with this one because it's a different split than I've ever ran in the past and it's a different one that's in there. And it's kind of uh, more of like an unorthodox type program right where like upper lower split I can write an upper lower split and know it's going to be sound because I've done a million of them yep. you know um, but my program right now is back and chest then it's legs and arms and then it's shoulders and back and then it's chest and legs and then it's arms and shoulders back like it's unorthodox very unorthodox <laughs> it's really weird and then abs are sprinkled in there everywhere it's just different so um i wanted to be like okay after a few months like how do my joints feel how do I like it and even from the first couple weeks i ran it I, I tweaked i moved some body parts around because i was like i don't like the way this feels on my recovery uh because you have overlapping uh fatigue totally. and you got to really manage it well so um but yeah, so that's part of the reason why I don't typically like somebody doing my training is because I like to be able to test it. Um, but after this cut, for example, like I am going to like, we're going to talk about maybe doing some things probably after summer because I don't want to like, I have a lot of like trips and stuff Who's like we? that. What's that? Who's we? Jackson. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. um, yeah. like one of the things I really want to try when I, especially when summer's done and I, I don't have trips or anything like that. And I'm like, All right, I want to try to like put on some more size uh, is two day bodybuilding never something I've never done. And I'm in advance. I mean, I've been lifting for almost 12 years, you know? So it's like, if there's any time to do two sessions a day, now's the time. And whenever I've always thought about two days, it's usually like, Oh, you do cardio and then you lift or you yeah. lift and then do cardio. That's typically what you do. And I've done that a million times. Like I'm doing it right now. I'm going to cut. So I did cardio this morning and then I lift or I lift at three and then sometimes I'll do cardio at night, you know? But I've never done it to where I come in here and I have like an AM session and maybe my, my AM session is just rear delts and biceps. And then my PM session is quads and chest. You know what I mean? Like there's like different ways to do it. And you, so it would be kind of like a collaborative thing where we're going like, okay, like what's the best way to, you know, split up the days because now I'm going from having five sessions a week to 10 sessions a week, technically, you know? And, um, and sometimes not as much volume. Per session, per though, session, yeah. per week, way more. Yeah, but there was a recent study done on it. It was actually really cool. It's like, oh shit, they actually studied this, and um, there's a, a good amount of bodybuilders who do it, and uh, and everybody has a different approach. But I mean, people are getting really good results from it, and it so, makes sense. You do a little bit, so it's enough to stimulate, but not just annihilate you or fatigue you too much. And then you take, I mean, shit. If I came in here at eight a.m. and then I didn't come back out here till three p.m. to train, and if it was a shorter session because they're two, maybe not even till three thirty-four. Yep. I mean, eight hours. Yeah, dude, that's a long time in yeah. between. And then 12 hours later, I'm doing it again. It's yeah. like, so it's a cool idea that I want to test. I got to really commit to it, but um, I think it would be cool. And there's like, I think the only days I wouldn't want to do two days are legs. I don't think I could, 
Like, so you might have him do your training then? No, I'm saying like I couldn't do like if I trained legs today at 3 p.m. I yeah. don't think I could do another session in the morning or like if I did legs in the morning or if I split it up. Let's say I did quads in the morning, hamstrings at night. Yeah. I just couldn't do it because it just takes so much out of you. Yep. It would probably be like two days for all, everything but my legs. Gotcha. Um, so we'll see. But um, yeah. Dope. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Next one comes from Nicole. It says, I'm looking for tips to grow my legs without growing my upper body. But I'm still getting my upper body stronger. So she wants to grow her legs without growing the upper body, but still getting upper body stronger. Main strength goals I want to hit. 135 on bench and do 10 pull-ups. I'm at 120 for bench and 7 pull-ups right now. I love lifting heavy and pushing myself, but I'm confused if I should decrease in the intensity I push during upper body days or decrease upper body volume throughout the entire week. I'm currently doing a three-day full body split. So half of that was right. You would want to... Uh, decrease total volume if you were trying to not grow your upper body, but you would want to increase the intensity. And this is where it gets semi-difficult to, because you got to think about it like this too. At a certain point, if somebody hits a plateau, one of the ways to break a plateau sometimes is to build more muscle because a bigger muscle has the potential to be a stronger muscle. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a stronger muscle because strength is very neurological. There's plenty of big dudes who are weak mm-hmm. um, but a muscle a, a muscle belly that grows in size has more muscle tissue and has more capacity to increase strength and expression of that muscle so there's reason to believe that like sometimes like if, if I hit a plateau I'm like man I might need to put on more muscle mass and then come back to strength training because that might give me the ability to improve my strength mm-hmm. um, and I only say that because like if you get to a point where you're like, I just like, man, I've tried everything to increase my bench, you might have to build more muscle in one of the areas, chest, triceps, or shoulders, because those are the three main muscle groups that are going to be worked in the bench press. Um, I don't necessarily think you're there yet based on your numbers or anything, but I'm just saying. Um, so I would say that, you know, like what you would want to do is low intent or sorry, low volume, high intensity training. So what's that, what that's going to be is um, very heavy weights for low reps. So staying six below six reps or less and everything you do the problem is is like uh one of the key drivers of muscle growth is mechanical tension so um if i do a bench press with 300 pounds for even just three reps that creates so much stress and stress and tension on the muscle itself that i'm maximizing mechanical tension which is going to lead to muscle growth and to create that much tension on the muscle with 150 pounds, I would have to do 25 to 30 reps. You know what I mean? So there's an intersection where even if you have higher volume, that 25 reps for 150, it, it doesn't really make that much of a difference for muscle growth. It comes down to um, that mechanical tension. But usually if, if in a situation like this though, you wouldn't have to worry about too much because if you're coming to me saying, my upper body is already muscular and big enough. I don't want it to grow more. Then we've already ruled out that like crossover equation in my experience. And we just go, okay, we just want to lower total volume of like sets done per week. And we want to focus on less, uh, less reps, probably more sets, but higher intensities essentially. And get very specific. So like if you really want to minimize muscle growth on your upper body, unless your shoulders are so weak that they're causing you to not be able to bench press heavy, which is 
unlikely only because they're a, uh, they're a secondary muscle group. They're your your delts, your shoulders shouldn't be firing too much on a bench press. You want your chest and triceps to do most of the work. Um, stop doing lateral raises. Stop doing military presses. Stop doing overhead work. Like just eliminate shoulder training and just get all of your pressing from bench pressing. Do three different variations of bench press throughout the week. Uh, if you want your pull-ups to go up, maybe do less volume on your traps. I still think you should do volume on your traps because it's good for your shoulder health, but do less there, more on your lats because your lats are the prime mover of the pull-up. So it's total volume of your upper body lowers direct volume to the muscles that actually need to increase strength in order to improve those lifts goes up. And then overall, you're, you're on a low volume, high intensity program. And again, high intensity means high load. So you're doing heavier weights, less total reps. Um, and the sets per week are probably going to be lower than a typical muscle growth plan, but they're going to be directed towards your upper body in, uh, in the specific uh, muscles that cater to bench press and pull-ups. Your lower body would be the exact opposite. If you want your lower body to grow, you're basically shifting the model and going, okay, but for my legs, I'm going to be doing eight to 20 reps on all my sets. I'm going to be doing more volume i.e. more sets per week because yep. I want them to grow. Um, the The hardest thing I would say here is that anybody who's like, I really want to build a lot of muscle and they say they're only training three days a week, like there's this like crossroads as a coach that gets really difficult because, you know, s scientifically speaking, I'd be like, you're just not training enough. You got to train four or five days a week. Plain and simple because three days a week just is not enough volume period to grow anything um and sometimes it's not even enough volume to get really strong so if we think of like if we take a, a power lifter who is your height your weight as a female and is benching what you want to bench or benches more than anybody because that's what they do they don't train three days a week yeah i promise you that um so there's like this and, and it's hard because it's the same thing with like like hey i really want to lose weight okay cool but i'm unwilling to track macros and it's like okay well you don't really want to lose weight like I know, like maybe you don't want to track macros for the rest of your life. Maybe you don't want to be attached to an app forever. But like if you're unwilling to track macros for a short temporary period of time so you can accomplish the goal that you say you really want, that's like shocking to me. You know what I mean? I really want to save money, but I'm unwilling to get a savings account. Oh, okay. Like yeah. it, it just, it doesn't add up. You yep. know what I mean? Um, and, and I'll admit like there's certain areas of my life, I say this all the time, like the, the worst part where I do this and the, um, the most hypocritical is like, I really wish I would recover better. I really wish I like, uh, like I treated my body better. Well, why don't you get more sleep? I don't want to get more sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm finally like at a breaking point where I'm like, okay, I got to fucking do it. But it's the same thing. It, it, it sounds very fucking stupid. Yep. Like, yeah, I want the benefits, but I'm not willing to do the work. Um, so that doesn't mean like if you're like, hey, asshole, like I literally can't go to the gym more than three days a week because of my work schedule, I have two kids, I'm a stay at like, and I just sound like a dick now. Um, I apologize, first of all, because um, <laughs> I mad respect for you. But second of all, like, all that means is like, okay, we just got to get hyper-focused on those three days. Yep. You know what I mean? That means, and apologies for the fucking motorcycle show outside, if you guys can hear it. She's Louise. We have, uh, one of our neighbors is uh, Mad Max Muscle Cars, and all they do is build muscle cars and motorcycles, so it's just like, it's really cool, yep. but... Not when you're podcasting. Not when you're podcasting. Um, but no, like uh, if, you know, on a three-day plan, for example, you just want to get hyper-focused with volume. This is where we go like, okay, like you want to grow your legs. Cool. Where specifically? Because like if you're like legs, that's, that means calves, quads, hamstrings, glutes. But if you're like, I really just give a shit about my, 
hamstrings and glutes. It's like, okay, cool. Well, that actually helps because we can do far less. We don't have to do any calf work and we can do way less quad work and we can do way more hamstring and glute work, you know? Um, or you can specialize where we go, hey, we're going to spend eight to 12 weeks doing a ton of volume on your hamstrings and glutes and just a little bit on your quads. And then we're going to shift gears because you can maintain that what you've grown your glutes and hamstrings to be uh, in a, the next phase when we focus on your quads, you know? Um, and you just go, you cycle back and forth because maintaining a muscle growth is easier. And this, that's a long-term plan, but you got to think long-term sometimes. So, For sure. um, and that's even something like I'm, I'm like, as I'm getting leaner, I'm seeing like where my weak points are, are cause as you get leaner, you can kind of see what muscles are less defined or like not as big as mm-hmm. you thought they may have been as you get leaner. Um, like my triceps, I'm like, damn, I have pretty big biceps for my size, but I do a ton of curls. Yeah. I love curls because I can look directly in the mirror and I can see my biceps growing. I like that. It sounds such like a meathead thing, but it's I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. I never see my triceps. Now that we have the mirror set up where I can see the cable machine, I'm like, oh, this is kind of dope. My triceps are just not that big. And I see some dudes, they're like fucking horseshoes hanging off the back <laughs> of their arm. And I'm like, and that's the shape of the muscles. Yep. Like they call it that, you yep. know? Yep. And I'm like, okay, like when I get done with this and I go into gaining pace, I'm going to be working on triceps. my triceps. And then the other thing was like, a lot of uh, the clothing brands I wear, like it's just part of the trend. Shorts are getting shorter and I can't avoid it anymore. And now I'm like, you know what? My quads really aren't that big. I work on my quads more. You know, I care less about my glutes personally. I just makes pants uncomfortable. But um, point being is I'm going to have to go through a phase with doing less volume some places, more volume other places. So a lot to think about there, obviously. But um, that's kind of my two cents on how I would probably structure it all. Yeah. Cool. All right. We will move on to the next question. It comes from Meliz, Meliz RZ, Melizers. Is it better to take scheduled read feeds and or diet breaks or wait for biofeedback to indicate that you need one? I thought you said Melizard, like a lizard. No D. But Meliz. 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 Yeah, I got that. Um, okay. So you guys are going to be surprised by my answer. It depends. Um, better to schedule them or wait. Yeah. It it depends on who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me personally, I wait, I, I, I work better if I just, I'm like in my groove and I just do the same thing over and over again. Um, now I guess we should also say like, we have to interpret first, like what do we mean by refeed or diet break? Because if we're talking about like a structured diet break to improve dietary adherence and glycogen replenishment, uh, fatigue from metabolic fatigue, hormonal fatigue, stuff like that from the diet, that's different than like a day off the diet kind of, right? So for me, most of you guys know, like Saturday, that's my day off the diet. To me, that's different than a refeed because, you know, like for example, when we first started the diet, it, it's basically like that day I just don't track and I'm just going to try to avoid binging, right? Um, Once the diet got to a point where I couldn't control myself as easily, I knew diet fatigue settled in because when you're not in a diet or you haven't been in a diet, the first few weeks of this diet, for example, we sit down to have cheese and wine, all that stuff that we we usually do when we have day night at home. I just snack and it's it's chill. I don't wake up too lethargic or bloated or anything. And then when the diet really kicked in, I just went ham. And I woke up next morning like heavy, bloated, lethargic. And I was like, okay, no more intuitive diet breaks or intuitive uh, days off the diet because they are obviously, I can't control myself as easily because diet fatigue has accumulated. Um, So that would be a point where I would go for a client. Okay, we have two options here. 
Option A is if your calories are too low to where we can't really fit those things you want into the diet, then we will take a structured refeed day where we do one of two things. I have some clients where it's like, hey, I need you to hit this protein and stay within these calories. I don't care where your carbs or fats are. It's purely social and psychological. Mm. Uh, I have other clients that it's like, we are going to be more science-based with this and it's it's protein, fats, and carbs for the refeed and I want you having way more carbs on that day. So protein and fats don't really change. We're just increasing your carbs a ton. If I increase past a certain point, I will usually add an extra five grams of fat just because some of it carries over from the extra carbs they're adding in. But that's an example of like a very structured refeed. And there are some people who benefit a lot from a single day structured refeed. But usually the people that benefit from a single day refeed uh, structured with more carbs and all that stuff, they're not using it to go out for drinks. They're like literally just eating more of the same shit they eat because yep. they want to feel better. Portions. Yeah. And sometimes those people, it's, it's nice to have like, you can even have two of them per week and you just structure the diet to where like two of your hard training days, we're going to like bump up your carbs so that you just feel better. It gets you excited to train because you feel like you're, you're going to like have more fuel for it. You're going to earn the carbs more. People like that. That's a great way to do it too. Um, but if we're doing like, like, so for me, when we looked at like, okay, now we're not taking these intuitive days, my calories w weren't low enough for me to justify like needing more calories to fit that stuff in. Number one, because I'm not on a super long diet. Number two, I'm already pretty lean. So for me to get really, really lean, it's probably better to actually not take diet breaks or refeeds and just grind through it because that's more time, more days in a row in a deficit. And that's actually going to pay off way more for fat loss than taking a diet break, especially in a 10 week or less diet. Yeah. If you're dieting for 24 weeks and you don't have a deadline, I think the diet breaks or the refeeds structured are going to actually help your adherence depending on who you are. Um, but for me, it was like, realistically, I'm still eating over 2000 calories. So I really can't, I can't say that I can't fit in those foods. It just means that like, I have to like wake up and for breakfast on Saturdays, it's a protein shake. Like I'm just not really eating breakfast. I'm just having a protein shake. And then for lunch, I might have like something really light. Same thing, like just not eating much throughout the day. I'm super busy on Saturdays, usually getting errands done and around. So it's easy for me. But then I get to night and I have tons of calories to play with and it's easy for me to fit those things in. Um, but some people, they're dieting on 1500 calories. It's way harder to do. Yep. So I think that's where it's a difference. And then also you have to really be aware of yourself. Like, do the refeeds or diet breaks improve your adherence long-term or do they make it worse? For some people, they make it worse by having uh, a little taste of what not dieting feels like, you know? And if it's like, if you're only dieting for 16 weeks and we give you a refeed and then it causes you to be off track for four days because like it triggers more hunger, which a lot of, which is actually psychological more than anything, then let's not do that because it's actually just derailing you a little bit every time. Totally. But other people have that one refeed and then they're like, I'm good. Let's keep grinding. Give me two more weeks and then we'll go back for another one or two day refeed. Um, some people it's like that as well. And we do, you know, three, four weeks of dieting really hard and then diet break off. Um, but it, it's a, it's a mixed bag. I think it really depends on the person. Um, I will also, so I am more likely to do it intuitively uh, and base it on when I start to see that a client's biofeedback is decreasing or not doing as well. And I will also do it with my clients who I have to bring their calories down super low. Some people have a very thrifty metabolism and or they're already pretty light. So if I have somebody who's a female that's five foot five and she's 130 pounds and she wants to get leaner, it's like you don't got a ton of weight to lose, barely any at all. So we got to dig their calories pretty fucking low. 
And so for that reason, I will use it as a more structured, like I'm only going to allow you to be in this deep ass deficit for like two or three weeks tops. And then we're going to pull you out of it as like a insurance policy or like just like a, I say safety mechanism, but that would make dieting sound way more dangerous than it is. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like pull you back for recovery purposes because I'm more concerned about your health and your hormones than anything else. Even if you're like, no, I'm good. Like we're grinding. I'm like, nope, this is going to help you. Trust me because you won't be good in a few weeks. Like let's, let's do this. Um, and I'm more likely to do that with those clients I have that are usually female clients after fat loss that are already pretty small individuals. Totally. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, I think the big thing that people need to realize is you don't need to do diet breaks or refeeds for most people. There's certain people that I do suggest it with, but in general, diet breaks or refeeds are not something that is a, a requirement for a fat loss phase. I think after the diet break and refeed researcher came out, a lot of people thought like you have to do diet breaks and it's not the case at all. Many times it actually makes way more sense to diet harder and just get the job done and then diet less often. So instead of you know, dieting and dieting, and dieting and trying to take these diet breaks all the time to allow you to diet longer. Hey, let's just approach this for like 12 weeks minimum, 20 weeks maximum, grind, be very serious, get the job done and then spend three quarters of the year at maintenance. Yeah. Don't diet anymore. And then when you go to diet again, it's because you're like, Hey, it's summer. Like I do want to get a little bit leaner. I spent time building muscle and I'm ready to get after again. And again, you spend 12 to 16 weeks dieting really hard and then you pull away kind of like a bodybuilder once did. But this is where I think a lot of everyday People, gem pop, coaches who work with gem pop should be studying bodybuilding because bodybuilders and scientific-based bodybuilders are the smartest people at getting shredded. And if they can get shredded on a specific date perfectly, I think you can help a gem pop person lose 20 pounds. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Awesome. All right. We got one more here. We It is going to come from The Lesser Life. It says, where do you find your sources to study on nutrition? You, do you use books? studies research i think uh that's that, that name i'm like man is that like a really depressing name or is that like a like a minimalistic like i don't need much i'm yeah. a minimalist like that sounds really cool and then the other I time so. like fuck like lesser life no more life yeah <laughs> come on um sorry <laughs> uh so where do i get a lot of my um like all of my resources essentially um, I'll just throw out some random ones for you that you guys can benefit from. I think, um, I think that JPS does a good job. The guys over in Australia, um, uh, JPS education and coaching stuff like that. They have a lot of content. They have like a membership site that gives educational stuff away. Um, uh, doesn't give it away cause you gotta pay for it, but that's really good. Mass research review is great. Uh, by Eric Helms, Mike Zordos, Eric Trexler and Greg Knuckles. It's a research review every month. That's my favorite research review. Uh, they, they, it's it's a monthly application of strength sport, I think it is. But like, nonetheless, understand that it's it's mainly geared towards getting strong as fuck, jacked as fuck, or shredded as fuck. So like, if you want like gut health and stuff like that, it's not as common in there. It's mainly like powerlifters and bodybuilders, which is why I like it. Um, Examine.com is a great place if you want any, re- if you want to just free research or, or understanding of supplements, that's the go-to place. But they also have a research review that I I've heard is good. I haven't dug through it. Uh, Weightology by James Krieger is great. Um, uh, Brandon Roberts on our team writes for uh, Weightology. We're, we'll have James Krieger on the podcast here soon. And uh, obviously, I use Brandon Roberts as a resource. I'm picking his brain constantly. Um, so getting stuff from him or even Haley, our dietitian, uh, that usually gets posted on the website or, or for the team and stuff like that, but I'm consuming that before it does. Um, so you guys 
don't always get access to that, but that's good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm trying to like, actually put together something like that would allow us to put out education from them too and myself more in like some Sick. kind of fashion. So um, <laughs> working on like just kind of blueprint and stuff for that. Um, but Mass Research Review, Weightology, uh, uh, Stronger by Science blog is amazing. If you want to read articles that are 30,000 words long, and I'm not exaggerating, they're like books mm. but i mean it's valuable shit um their podcast is great as well um that's eric trexler and greg knuckles um and then obviously a lot of instagram accounts but other than that it's like books you know like i've done a lot of certification course all that stuff but um i subscribe to a lot of these different research reviews and membership portals and stuff like that but i mean books i read so many i've read so many books and i still read books um i just finished uh mike Isertel's scientific principles of hypertrophy training fantastic book um Fat Loss Forever, Muscle and Strength Pyramids, uh, the Bodybuilding Book by Cliff uh, Cliff Wilson and Peter Fishin. That one's great. Um, I mean, I could just go on and on. You know, there's just so many big bo- book guy. Yeah. I, well, I think at the end of the day, like the truth is, you have to be ready to read books. Yeah. Brad Schoenfeld's books are great. The Scientific Development of Muscle Hypertrophy. Um, he just came out with a, a a new version, so he updated a lot of stuff. He came out with another book called Max Muscle Plan 2.0. That's amazing. Um, I believe Alan Aragon just came out with a new uh, new book. Um, there's just so many that you really can't get in like simple things. You have to you have to be ready to read a fucking textbook. Yeah. To be honest with you, and those are like easy textbooks. I have textbooks that are like mind numbing because they're so boring, like exercise physiology textbooks. No thanks. No thanks. Like I will read sections of it and then I'll come back in a few months because <laughs> it's so dry and I don't have to read those anymore. But a lot of those other books are actually really interesting and good. Um, so uh, use uh, your good old friend Google. Yeah. Google. Austin Current's book. Austin, yeah, Austin Current has a great book, uh, Anatomy of Strength Training. Um, and that one's a really good one for like newer trainees and trainers. Like I think they, they can like get a really baseline fundamental uh understanding of anatomy and training and muscles and origins and movement patterns and stuff like that. Um, but Google, Google like evidence-based fitness books, literally lists. I mean, there's going to be so many. Um, and then just look, go to Amazon and look at reviews and see how they did, you know, and like, look, like take the author's name and then Google the author's name and see what else they've done. Have they published any research? Do they coach anybody? Like those things will lead you to way more answers. Cause there's also some books on Amazon that have great titles, that are just from random fucking people that are not, not great. They're like clickbait, you know? Totally. So, um, yeah. And now even YouTube, YouTube has like a lot of really good content on there. Yep. Cool. All right. We will wrap the episode up there today. Please, uh, click the link in the bio and ask if you have any questions that are over 40 characters long, they can't ask Cody on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, send us your questions, send us your topics, send us all that. Uh, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify and iTunes. And then quick plug for us. If you are interested in coaching, head over to tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash online dash coaching. Uh, and our blog is slash blog. And then, uh, the tailored trainer is tailoredtrainerapp.com. So those are all links for the free content as well as the paid services we offer. We appreciate you guys listening to the podcast and we will catch you next time. Bye.